0: and welcome to our podcast, Tune In with MPSCS, and today we are going to feature one of our military veterans at Michigan's Public Safety Communication System. At MPSCS, we have members who have served in every branch, and about 40% of our staff have served in the military. Our special guest today is Dave Peck. He's one of our radio techs, and he was with the Michigan Army National Guard. Welcome to the show, Dave.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Could you tell us a little bit of what you do here at MPSCS and how long you've worked here?
1: Yeah. Um, So I'm a radio technician at the North Region Service Center. Uh, Been here for nine years. Uh, I work on uh, infrastructure and subscriber, uh, work inside the towers, work on microwave power systems and RF systems. And then uh, also in the subscriber, work with MSP, DNR, and MDOT, and work on their radios, uh, in-card camera systems, uh, radars, and whatever they have they want me to take a peek
0: at. Pretty much all of it. Nice (laughs) to help. Where do you work out of and what what is your coverage area? All
1: right. Again, I work out of the North Region Service Center in RSC of the Gaylord Shop, uh, located in Gaylord, Michigan, about 60 miles south of the Mackinac Bridge. Uh, We work as far south as the south edge of Wexford County, all the way across. Uh, So we have the northern tip. And then there's three counties uh, in the eastern UP.
0: So extensive area.
1: Yep, we have about 61 towers, I think, all together in our region.
0: So you touch Lakes Michigan, Lake Huron, and Superior.
1: Uh, yes. Uh, okay. We also have to service uh, Sugar Island, Mackinac Island, and Beaver Island. So we have three islands as well.
0: Those are the fun days, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, your family? Yep. uh your hobbies?
1: So uh lived in Gaylord most of my life, graduated Joburg in 1996. Uh, I have uh, a family of four. I got a daughter that's in uh, Southern Ohio. Um, She is an RN, 21. Very excited. Uh, Found out that uh, she's expecting, so that's good news.
0: Going to be your grandpa.
1: Yep. Uh, My son is 17. He's uh, a senior in Gaylord Schools. Uh, Wife will be working at uh, Avalanche Bay here before too long. Been married about 17 years as well. Uh, I dabble in a little photography. I do amateur radio as a hobby, A motorcycle and fish. Photography, kind of a best as an amateur, uh, like take photos of landscapes um, and uh, folks at uh, sporting events and whatnot. Uh, ham radio, I've been doing that since 2006. Um, I did a lot of ham radio while I was deployed in Gitmo. We can probably talk about that later. Um, I have an 07 uh, Harley Davidson Road King, which I ride as any chance I can get. I love riding that machine uh, and a little fishing on the side.
0: I thought it was fishing first and then motorcycling. Has mm, that changed?
1: I, I, no, I like, I like the motorcycle oh, a little okay. more than the fishing. Just
0: checking. Um, when and why did you enter this type of work at MPSCS?
1: Uh, well, I entered uh, the employment there in 2013. I was uh, actually currently unemployed at the time. I was working at CSMS. uh was laid off. Early on, I was trying to, uh, try to find myself, and I got into electronics for the military and was looking to try to further that skill set. Uh, an opportunity came available. I had to give a... Uh, Uh, recommendation for an employee uh, that works for us and I was asked at that point because he knew I had a little bit of a radio background if I'd be interested so uh, I put in an application uh, filled it out and then I got a phone call later.
0: Hmm. Okay Um, now you served in the National Guard where were you stationed at and how long have you been in?
1: Uh, I was in uh, almost 22 years uh, most of my uh, service was in Camp Grilling uh, with the 1071st Maintenance Company. Uh, I did do a short stint in Detroit, uh, Eight Mile Armory, um, as a noncommissioned officer, or a maintenance control NCO, and then later on, a platoon sergeant. Was a platoon sergeant for uh, five years. Um, I did do some training in Toby Hanna, Pennsylvania. Did some training in Virginia, Fort Lee, uh, a couple times in Camp Dodge, Iowa. Uh, also did three weeks in Honsfeld, Germany. And then my uh, one and only deployment was Guantanamo Bay, Cuba uh, in 2018, 2019.
0: So you have been halfway around the world. I have been. Okay. Um, Why did you choose this this particular branch?
1: Um, So initially, uh, I was kind of making a a muck of my life there. And so uh, I chose the National Guard as a way to get some kind of additional education and a skill set. At that point, I was a machine operator. And uh, just my earning income wasn't that much. So I walked down, I literally walked into the National Guard Base a said, I'd like a skill. Uh, and they had picked a couple different electronics. Um, I figured if I didn't like the National Guard that uh, it had a, a minimum requirement that was serve on the weekends, a couple weeks out of the year. Um, and if I really liked it, I, I would have gone full-time. Uh, with the birth of my daughter, I chose to stay home instead of going to full-time. Uh, but uh, I had a very, I, I very much appreciate the time I spent in the Michigan National Guard.
0: Okay. Um, now you've seen different deployments, different areas you've served in. Um, how did those differ from each other? How was Germany different than being stateside?
1: Um, Germany's culture is a is a lot different than the states. Uh uh food is pretty amazing. Uh it seems like the smaller towns, there's a lot more like evening walks. Um the driving's a lot different. I did get to drive an Autobahn, but it was in a bluebird, not that exciting. Fifty five mile an hour bus. Um Uh, Just the culture is different. People just act differently. And uh, of course, there was a language barrier, which was kind of tough. At Guantanamo Bay, uh, we weren't able to go to Cuba. So it was military only. And I think one of the things that was pretty interesting is when you're working in a military only area, everybody's willing to work really hard. No one's here for, well, I just have to be here. Everybody wants to be here. And they're all driven. They work hard. they, They play hard. Uh, they work out hard uh they're very just driven people and uh, i really appreciated that and that's not something that you normally get like in a civilian structure where you get people that are i'm going to get a paycheck i'm going to do this what it is but everybody's there because right. they want to be there and they're driven
0: how did how do you think these things changed you they make you better more stronger
1: uh the military finished a lot of growing up that i needed uh, as i stated before i was trying to correct uh and um uh, some growing up on my own um But uh, found out that your feelings don't necessarily matter as much as that sometimes the accomplishment of your mission does. Met a lot of strong people and they were just, let's get it done. And then once you get it done, then you can go, uh, you know, have your barley pop or whatever and relax and just kind of cut loose a little bit. Um, But the National Guard taught me a lot of skill sets of uh, troubleshooting, uh, being focused on my job, uh, kind of putting some personal issues aside to accomplish that mission and then deal with that uh, when that particular mission was over.
0: Um, Now, you recently served down in Guantanamo. Um, Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Uh,
1: So uh, October uh, 2018, was uh, my first and only deployment was Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Um, It did work in the detention center. A lot of people, uh, they failed to realize that the Navy station's been there since 1898. So there's a competing, a lot of people don't associate one with the other. They just think about the detention center. Uh, That is where I worked. Um, I ended up working in the communication section, section pretty extensively, um, worked on a lot of the radio stuff, repaired a lot of equipment, um, I fixed a dead zone they had where the Coast Guard couldn't talk uh, with their uh, uh, boats, and uh, I worked with ham radio with some of the kids in the DOD for a little while, uh, started a ham radio uh, course, um, and then did a lot of ham radio as a hobby. A lot of focus is just trying to take care of their radio system.
0: Mm-hmm. Did that ham radio keep you in touch with home a little bit?
1: I did. So my dad and my father-in-law are both ham radio operators. So I was able to make it uh, 1,847 miles. I was able to talk to my dad and my father-in-law on a couple of occasions. Um, when I got on the radio in about 15 minutes, I can make a contact every 45 seconds. And the only way it would slow down is if I actually just turned the radio off. Uh, quite popular when you're down in Guantanamo, <laughs> I would
0: think so. Um, now, we found that military veterans are a great fit for MPSCS. And some of the strengths that the vets bring to the workplace do include that they work well in a team, they work towards a mission, they have a sense of duty, a great work ethic, they're great problem solvers, they adapt to all sorts of different environments and situations. They bring leadership skills, they are disciplined, and they can follow through a task to completion. Now, what of your military experience do you think you brought to MPSCS?
1: The biggest thing is uh, going to electronic school gave me a good fundamental foundation for troubleshooting. Working with other soldiers, learning how to delegate was really important. Um, It's very easy for me to be very focused and want to do it all, uh, but that isn't very conducive to a team atmosphere. And so, they break you down in that smaller team, and it's the team's accomplishment, not the individual accomplishment. Working with folks, you don't always have the best idea. You don't always have the right uh, attack, whatever that problem is. And just having a second set of eyes to put you in check to go, hey, did we try this? Did you make sure you tighten that? Uh, was very helpful. Uh, you re- learn to rely on your teammates instead of trying to do it all on your own.
0: Yeah, I can see that makes sense, for especially at MPSCS. Yes. Um, troubleshooting skills, too?
1: Yeah. So... Uh, the electronics i took was uh, basic electronics advanced electronics processors uh some microwave communications uh and then when i got to what they call systems at uh, redstone arsenal um, they start looking at uh, um, we had something called an IFD, it was integrated family test equipment so it was a small van um, with a bunch of testing gear um, and you would have to troubleshoot the uh troubles trouble codes that you would have so if the device would fail a code is it the, is it the box that failed? Is it the interconnect device that failed? Is it the wiring down to the oscilloscope or digital word generators that were inside? And so you got really good at practicing and in, in verifying the fault. So first time you saw the fault, well, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, can we verify it? Will it come back again? Um, and so that kind of troubleshooting really leads like, uh, you know, just because there's a problem with a cop card doesn't necessarily mean it's the charge guard per se. Next mm-hmm. could be the battery. So um it kind of opens up your mind to kind of consider more of the possibilities.
0: Now, what are some of the habits that you developed in the service that you like that you brought back with you?
1: I like not necessarily sugarcoating everything. Sometimes it's better not to have the filter. Um being forthwith with your opinions uh it matters a lot, but with tact, you know, mm-hmm. just don't want to tell anybody off. Uh I find that to be very helpful in communication. Mm-hmm. Um, the green book. Uh, we have these little green books. You guys uh, you have a lot of text. Have a planner, and so little green book is just, just keeping a task list. Um, when I don't use my little green book, I, I fall off task. But oh. uh, just having that little <laughs> green book that keeps the date in, you know, stuff that you're working on helps you not forget the smaller things that uh, oh yeah, I'll take care of that, but there's not a work order for it. Um, so the little green book could yeah, be very helpful. Um, I use them quite extensively when I was at Gitmo because it's the only way to keep track of the stuff I was working on.
0: Um, what are some of the habits that you maybe have developed that you don't care for so much?
1: Um, well, course, language can be kind of tough. You get into those kind of uh, work environments where uh, whether you're a truck driver or building trades, it's a bad excuse. It's kind of a crutch. But uh, some military guys, they have a tough time uh, getting. I can't ask anybody to sweep the floor. Uh doesn't seem to work too well. <laughs>
0: Now, does it take a certain personality or type of a background to join the military, do you think?
1: I don't believe everybody should be in the military. I think it does take a, uh, a person, someone that wants to serve. It is a huge commitment, um, and that commitment could be uh, ha- might have to be paid at a terrible price. Um, not everybody's fit out to be there uh, to, in the military. Um, but understanding your situation, keeping calm when you're under pressure, understanding that you have a task, and most time, nothing is really that personal, um, they're just trying to get you to do a job and you just need to accomplish it.
0: Right. Right. Uh, what are some of the things that you miss about being in the service?
1: Especially, uh, Gitmo, there's a, a group of us that would meet every couple of weeks and we'd have a cigar and a drink. Um, there is a different kind of bond that you get, uh, in the military. That's it really is a lot like family. Um, Thanksgiving, you know, away from home was okay. You know, we got to meet Christmas was kind of tough, uh, being away, um, but you have brothers and sisters that you build and They're they're not blood related, um, but though that member or that relationship just is never going to go away. You know, some of these guys I may never see in my life, but they show up my desk uh, at my doorstop. You know, I got a drink, I got some food, uh, and it'll be like we never left.
0: Yep, come on in. Um, what are some of the things you're glad to have left behind? Cops.
1: I want to be honest. Uh, <laughs> if it wasn't for age or retirement, I don't know that if I would have retired. Um, I do got a little bit of a profile or, um, can't work as hard as I used to. Um, but, uh, no, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, circumstances in my life were currently different. I probably would have been a lifer. Hmm.
0: Good to know. Um, what was the favorite place that you've lived or visited or served at?
1: Hmm. Place to visit was Germany. Uh, the food's amazing. The culture's amazing. Uh, the old, old world cities are absolutely beautiful. The, um, the big cathedral churches, uh, the old bars, um, the whole countryside are just amazing. Um, and the food's amazing too. There is something different about their food. I don't like sauerkraut over here and I was eating it with mustard over there. Um, absolutely. <laughs> he was just, native. Yeah. Just really, really, uh, enjoyed to visit. Not sure if I'd want to live there, but I definitely would like to visit again. Um, being at Gitmo, and maybe because it was only my only deployment away from my home, it did mean a lot to serve my country. It's what I wanted to do. It's um, I didn't join for the MREs. They're not that great. They're not that bad. You know, they're really not. But uh, um, to be able to serve my country in a, a capacity when someone else couldn't at that point in time really meant a lot to me. Right. I did enjoy the, I did some firefighting at Camp Grayling. I enjoyed the time working down in there. That was uh, three years. Um, I put out the bombs and BBs down to Camp Grayley for a while. That was, uh, it was exciting. <laughs> we got a few loud? fires. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now, when you came back, how was that transit transition to civilian life for you? Was there any tough times there or?
1: Um, it was. So when you first, uh, get ready to leave, uh, the chaplains meet with you on uh, the very forthwith saying that, um, you are no longer the same person that you were 10 months ago, nor is your spouse. Oh. So when you come back home, you're really going to be more of a guest because you're not going to take the reins back over. Your spouse has been running your place for the last nine months. She doesn't need your help at this point in time, and she doesn't necessarily want your opinion. Uh, you have to break yourself back into it. Um, working with uh, civilians versus just military, there are um, there is a certain way you communicate in the military. Uh, it's very professional, but can be very just up front direct and so um there tends to be a, as i like to call it, no filter um, and you have to be a little more mindful of that um, you
0: weren't quite as soft when you came home
1: was not quite as soft um you know i was uh, uh very focused uh that worked out a lot and that was kind of a thing that used to put out uh, uh put some time away from home um you just had to mellow out a little bit and you just kind of you know with your spouse you kind of got to re-engage you know Right. They're not used to sleeping next to you at night. Now there's this fat feller. Right? I guess <laughs> she's <laughs> like, "Hey," um, and you know your you know your son hasn't had you telling him what he needs to do, and he's um, you have to break back into you know, it. It's a big deal.
0: It affects everybody. It does. Yeah. Um, is there anything you wish civilian and employers understood about military service or uh, veterans?
1: Yeah. So uh, one of the things I think is sorely lacking um, as you progress in the uh, the military, they have the non-commissioned officer um, and they also have uh, uh, schools and you learn to be, you're basically a manager. When you become a squad leader, you have six to eight soldiers that you take care of. You wipe their nose, you make sure they get paid, make sure they got uh, their medical taken care of. You know, how's your family doing? And uh, when you get a platoon sergeant, you know, you can, you can have up to 24 or 30. So you start getting a lot more management skills, but it doesn't seem like those will ever transfer to management skills in the civilian side. Um, i think non-commissioned officer schools um, probably needs to be looked at and see uh what their value is uh and then when they have management supervisor positions i think they need to be considered um yeah. you know the uh the military is a isn't a traditional college uh, but we still get very specified training and i think sometimes those military schools and the uh, uh, not commissioned officer professional development is just not really looked at very much.
0: Yeah, I think that needs to be recognized. Um, we're going to take a little break now and we will be right back.
2: Put a frog in a pot of boiling water and it'll jump right out. But put a frog in a pot of cool water and slowly heat it up, that frog will boil. As a metaphor for us and all that we go through as veterans, it's a story that rings true. We learn to endure the heat in silence. We apply what we learn to life, the bills, the job, the family, things we're expected to handle with ease. When life heats up around us, we just try to stay afloat. We let the water boil. Reaching out isn't easy, but you've never been interested in easy. You join because you are not afraid of hard work. You are not a frog. If you or a veteran you know needs support, don't wait until the water boils. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to our podcast, everyone, and our guest today is Dave Peck. He's our MPSCS radio tech, and he is a retired Michigan Army National Guardsman. Dave, what advice would you give someone in the military looking to pursue a career at MPSCS?
1: Uh, The first thing I would do is go to uh, uh, look up state of Michigan jobs. Um, That is where all the job listings for DTMB is. I would filter that by technology management and budget. And then if you're concerned about your location, then you can pick something like county. But otherwise, I would leave it open. If uh, you know some of us, uh, if you see us around, uh, definitely ask. Ask us personally and says, hey, you know, uh, what do I need to qualify? Um, if there's folks out in the military, apparently we are looking for some uh, positions. So uh, please get a hold of us. Um, we definitely like the folks with uh, networking and uh, especially RF backgrounds. Uh, those are very important.
0: Excellent. Uh, now, do you have a favorite memory of here at MPSCS?
1: I have a few. I know one of my first like major products I did of my own was the National Guard Crossband Repeater in the Grayling Tower. Uh, that's been functioning uh, really good since 2015. Um, one of the division meetings, I did ascend up to 330 feet up on the tower. I'd Probably not the highest tech, but I felt pretty accomplished about that as well. Probably my favorite thing about working for MPSES, being a radio tech, is being able to uh, Drive the towers and uh, helping out the MSP, but finding the delis and uh, possible motorcycle locations along the way. (laughs) These are uh, those uh, what they call intangible benefits, uh, if you will. uh, Who doesn't like pastrami?
0: Right. Um, What are some of your plans for the future?
1: Uh, I really enjoy uh, the challenges of working in the infrastructure side, uh, and I would love to pursue uh, this career uh, in that uh, area. Do a mo- little more working uh, on the special site projects, working on something that isn't quite necessarily standard. So uh, new site development, uh, working on uh, maybe there's a new piece of equipment coming on to integrate it. Back in the day, we had the Onyx inverters uh, that came in. Um, uh, maybe there's a new LTEX uh, that comes in. It needs to be interfaced with the system. Uh, or there's uh, other ways to get uh, point-to-points fiber links uh, interface with the system
0: okay now we've touched on this a little bit before that veterans sometimes face challenges that civilians do not can you expand on that a little bit
1: uh sure my personal military experience hasn't challenged my metal uh that far but there are some soldiers that uh, have spent some time in afghanistan and iraq and they uh um were in the thick of things right. um, it puts them in a very uncomfortable position and in a place that uh, uh exposes them to dangers and stresses in their lives, that isn't quite what we would call normal. So PTSD, uh, if they were in explosions, uh, mild traumatic brain injury and whatnot, can really be uh, detrimental to someone's psyche. Uh, A lot of soldiers sometimes don't really open up, to be honest. And sometimes they stuff that. And then, um, you know, they get grouchy, they're irritable. Sometimes they're explosive in their anger. um, And sometimes that isn't necessarily they're actually mad at you. They're just, there's so much in their life, they don't know how to get rid of it. Um, There are a lot of resources out there. The VFW, American Legion, VA. There are certain churches that also have places. I, I would strongly recommend that if you know someone that's having problems or they're just not acting quite right or very irritable in the military chaplaincy, try to get help. It's not a sign of weakness when you're asking for help. That just means that you acknowledge that you have something that needs to be fixed. And it's very important. Uh, a lot of these people have been, they've seen things that uh, just aren't normal and those mm-hmm. visions stick with them and they got to find a good way to deal with it and they haven't yet. Turning to alcohol and drugs isn't the way, but there are many resources that are available to them, and I'm, I'm sure there'll be some more listed.
0: Yes. Um, and we want to make sure that we provide resources and contact information to help support our veteran listeners. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs offers veterans a full spectrum of health care services, disability, emergency assistance, employment guidance, counseling, education, and housing benefits. And you can find these at www.va.gov. And you can call the main information line at 800-698-2411. Again, it's 800-698-2411, and that's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they also provide a Veterans Crisis Line at 800-273-8255. Select 1, or you can text 838-255 or visit veteranscrisisline.net. Now in Michigan, you can contact the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency at one 800 vet that's M-I-C-H-V-E-T, or visit michiganveterans.com to learn more or to be connected with a service officer near you. And thank you everybody, and that's all we've got for today. And we would like to thank our veterans and active reservist military for their service. And we're proud and very thankful to have you on our team. I would like to thank Dave for being here to tell us about himself and his military service to our country.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And we hope you all enjoyed the show and we will be back soon. You have been listening to Tune In with MPSCS and be sure to look us up at www.michigan.gov/mpscs, YouTube, SoundCloud and on Twitter at MPSCS. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Google Podcasts so you never miss an episode. We'll see you the next time. Thank you.